So I had a thought. It doesn't make me particularly thrilled. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights free and beloved conference of champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show. I appreciate you all very, very much. We got to 3,000 subs before the season started. It was my goal to get there before the season started. We did that in like mid July. So now, the trek to 4,000. We are underway. So thank you for continuing to support the show. And any of you newcomers, welcome. And please like, comment, subscribe. Uh, football talk. Yeah, we're getting to that every day because the uh, season is right around the corner. We do have that a big question up in Pullman that'll affect teams not in Pullman this year. And then something about the path to the college football playoff. But today I had this thought and it made me feel like Robert Parr's boss in The Incredibles, the first Incredibles, Robert Parr being Mr. Incredible, of course, he calls him into his office. And like me, he's a short guy. And he's very grumpy. And he says, I'm not happy, Bob. Not happy. Now, I feel that way because of this idea. Now, I'm not suggesting that this is how it's going to play out. I am not suggesting that I know what's going to happen. I just had this thought. There have been a number of indications over the last many, many months that the Pac-12 is going to expand to stay at 12 teams. I think they should. Because the inventory that media partners are probably looking for to, you know, get Pac-12 sports out there as much as possible, I think you need to have at least 12. I think the Big 12 expanded to go back to 12 teams for a reason. But compared to how I felt three to four months ago, I would say the likelihood of the Pac just staying at 10 teams, at least for the foreseeable future perhaps, has increased significantly from what it was back in, say, March. Back in March, I would have said 100% the league is going to expand. I am still in the camp that they are going to expand and that it is in their long-term best interests to do so and that San Diego State and SMU are the best candidates available to them at this point in time. But it hasn't happened yet. And I think that that's noteworthy given that we're, you know, at the end of July. So George Klyovkov at Pac-12 Media Day, he talked about how their process has not changed and that their timeline has not changed with regards to getting the media deal, Signing the grant of rights, the terms of which they've already verbally agreed to, of course, with regards to revenue sharing. And I think it makes sense, just as a quick aside, that a team goes to the college football playoff and revenue goes back to the conference and the other schools. I get that. But 
a bigger chunk of it should go to the school or the program that actually gets there. I think that makes sense. Anyway, so Klyovkov said their process has not changed, that they're going to go get the deal done, sign the grant of rights, and then talk about expansion. But the reason that I feel that the likelihood, or possibility rather, of staying at 10 teams is increasing is because those first two things obviously have to take place. But George Klyovkov did not give, to my recollection, a definitive statement of, we are going to finish our media rights deal, sign the grant of rights, and then expand. He was granted authority by the Pac-12 presidents way back when, as reported by uh, John Canzano and John Wilner, that he was cleared to investigate the prospect of adding up to four teams, but that anywhere from zero to four was on the table. That's what we're looking at here for whatever the Pac-12's next move ends up being, zero to four teams. So given that other conferences have expanded and then done a media deal, that we're in the end of July and we have seen no definitive statement from the Pac-12 that they intend to expand. And now we are hearing reports, and this was flying around in, you know, kind of the fallout from Pac-12 Media Day. It was one of the biggest headlines, I think, that the conference presidents are reportedly not on board unanimously or in a way that will allow them to pass such a measure of adding teams to the conference. I still feel 80-20 that they're going to expand. Now, when they expand, that could be what ends up changing here. Is all these indications and you know trying to understand what, what they're going to do or what they might do, what they should do and everything like that could be you know, me going too far to the extreme and they actually are going to end up somewhere in the middle. They're not going to add four, but they're not going to add zero. They're going to end up with two which has long been what I've thought they they will and should do and is their best course of action here. But given that we are here at the end of July, I think it's fair to pose the question that you haven't expanded, you want to get your deal done and your grant of rights signed first, and now you've got reports of not all the presidents are on board, and of course, presidents drive re- realignment. We all know it's going on my gravestone. But I just I just wonder. I'm not advocating for that. I don't want that. I don't think that's the best course of action for the pack. But is the argument there? Yeah, I see it. I I, I do. I, I see it. Because I don't agree with it, but I but I understand it. Something that in today's world, especially in politics which is why I'd rather be here than there, frankly, but in sports as well. You can understand and be able to explain a point of view and then say, yeah, I don't agree with that. But the argument, I think, is fairly clear. You don't have any Power 5 expansion options available to you. That is obvious. Big 12, locked in. Big 10, locked in. There's, there's no one available for you. So it's just G5 schools. And if there are presidents that are in these negotiations about the granter rights and the media deal and the payouts and the structures and yada, 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 I could very much see 
how maybe some presidents more than others, but how any university president could say, if that new school cannot provide any new value here, if it doesn't do anything financially beneficial for my school, then I don't want to add them because that means it's actually going to be less money for my school and my school and my athletic department might not be able to take that on as easily as some others. So I, I think it's just starting to kind of trickle, you know, the, the, you, haven't, you haven't cut out the legs entirely on the house of cards, right? That's, it's, it's still standing. It's still in place. And the structure of said house of cards, like a literal house of cards, not the, you know, metaphorical one alluded to in the television show and such, it's still standing. But do I think that you've removed a card or two of which there are dozens. So at the end of the day, the, the house is still going to likely stand up. But between now and March, do I feel differently about the likelihood that they're going to expand? I do. I think it is more likely to, doesn't mean I think it's likely just to be clear. I think it is more likely today that they would stay at 10 teams at least for one season, maybe even further. Maybe they do it for two or three and then add G5 teams later. I don't know. I don't know because no one actually knows what exactly is going down here. I know that we have a big question to answer, but one question is why haven't you checked out eBay Motors yet? Because for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. That's what coaches are doing in recruiting and the portal. You got to make it all come together. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage. Look for the green check to know if the part will fit or your money back because just like in sports confidence is the name of the game when you shop on ebay motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time after all it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply get the right parts the right fit and the right prices on ebaymotors.com that's ebaymotors.com let's ride eBay. eBay Motors, essential to getting your car back on the road. Second segment sips, essential to giving you the best quality show possible. Let's talk about actual football. Then we'll get back to realignment stuff later, of course. But I made you a promise for all you everydayers out there that I'd be talking about football every day here on the show in the lead up to the season because football is right around the corner. We're like a month away. We're You realize there is a game that's going to be played between Utah and Florida in Salt Lake City at Rice Eccles, packed house, screaming fans, going to be awesome. Revenge game for the Utes, big opportunity for Utah to win that game. Do you realize that is just over a month away? I mean, it's barely over a month away. It's like a month and, and like six days, five, six days. However, I don't know how that all gets calculated and whatnot. Months are confusing and I don't know why, but they are so. Let's talk about some football. And we're going through big questions for every team. The big question for every single team. And there are a number of questions you can ask about a team. But this one pertains to the Pac-12 championship 
picture. Not because I think Washington State can get to the Pac-12 championship game, though they have a pretty favorable schedule. They miss USC and Utah. I'm going to pause. I'm going to let that just kind of marinate for a moment. They miss USC and Utah are the teams that they miss from the South. They get both the Arizona schools. They get Colorado, not Utah. They get UCLA instead of USC. Oh, wow, that's kind of like the greatest scheduling break you can have for a team of the former Pac-12 North, be that as it may. Washington State's over-under win total is 6.5 in the eyes of oddsmakers over uh, at FanDuel, and I think that's about right. So the big question for Washington State this year is whether or not they'll be able to get the best out of Cam Ward. Because if they get the best out of Cam Ward, if they maximize his potential, Washington State is a team, I don't think they can get to the conference title game. I don't think they can make that sort of run. But can they spoil somebody else's chances of getting there? You bet they can. They don't play USC and Utah. Those are conference contenders. That's that's true. How about the other four potential conference contenders. Now, I don't buy UCLA quite as much as a conference contender this year because I just have questions about the quarterback situation, as in we don't know who's going to start. This is a very deep quarterback league. Maybe they'll pop. Chip Kelly's a brilliant offensive mind. Crazier things have happened in college football before. So let's just go off the win totals and say UCLA's at the bottom. They're beneath Oregon State as a likely contender. But in the odds market, Washington State's got four contenders on their schedule this year. They've got Oregon State and UCLA. They play them back-to-back, actually, to begin conference play. Washington State hosting Oregon State. First week of Pac-12 conference play in week four. Boy, I tell you. Big-time tone-setting game for both those teams. Can't wait to talk about that one. Also can't wait because you know what's right around the corner here on the show for all you everydayers out there? Schedule record predictions. Oh, my favorite shows of the year. Because sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm not. And you all make sure to let me know when I'm wrong and you gloss over when I'm right. And I love it because I do. So the big question for Washington State and whether or not they can play spoiler for one of those teams is do you get the best out of Cam Ward? There were two versions of Cam Ward a season ago. There was the really productive guy who did turn the ball over a little bit, but also put up a lot of yards and won a lot of football games. And then there was kind of second half of the season Cam Ward. Not as productive, not as efficient, and the team didn't do so great. Was scheduling a part of that? Eh, sure. But there's some context to be added there. So through the first five games of 2022, Cam Ward was completing 68% of his passes. He went for 13 touchdowns. That's just shy of three a game, for those of us who are really good at math. I'm not one of those people. I use the calculator. But... Seven interceptions, that's over one a game, would like to cut down on that. He threw for 289 yards a game in those first five. The team was 4-1. and one. The team was 4-1 and one with a road win over Wisconsin, and they should have beaten Oregon. They had a 12-point lead with five minutes to go, and Cam Ward was brilliant, had 344 yards in that game. Did end up throwing the game-clinching pick six, but also put Washington State in a position to win, and the defense just couldn't quite hold down the fort and get a couple of steps. They needed one stop on a fourth and two. And if they get it, guess what? Washington State would have started 5-0 and last year with wins over Oregon and Wisconsin. They were playing really good football. Then the second half of the season rolled around. And things started to you know, pick up in terms of quality of opponent. And Cam Ward's play went down a touch. 
In the last seven games of the season, Cam Ward completed 61% of his passes. He threw just 10 touchdowns over seven games. That's a big drop. That's under two touchdowns a game, where he was approaching three per game in the first few. He did only throw one interception, but he was only throwing for 235 yards a game. And in those seven games to end the regular season, I discount the bowl game because they lost their coordinators. The team went three and four. Those are the two sides of Cam Ward. Very Jekyll and Hyde, right? You have the explosive playmaker who eh, throws an extra interception or two here and there. But I'd rather have that guy than conservative, not being able to complete as many passes, not getting the ball down the field. And he's got a new offensive coordinator this year. Ben Arbuckle comes over from Western Kentucky, where he orchestrated a wildly successful air raid sort of offense. And Cam Ward has the arm talent, has the playmaking ability, has the legs, has got everything you need to execute that sort of offense. He did so at Incarnate Word. And he did so a year ago for Washington State. They just have to get the best out of him. But if they do, would it shock anybody? If you told me right now that Cam Ward's numbers at the end of the year looked like a better version of his first five games from last season, if he, if he goes 66%, if he's throwing for 290 yards a game, and he's got a 2-to-1, a better than 2-to-1 touchdown-interception ratio, and Washington State is scoring points, I don't see how Washington State can't beat one of those four contenders, Oregon State, UCLA, Oregon, Washington. I don't see how he can't do it. Now, the unfortunate thing for the Cougars in those instances is three of those games are on the road. Playing at UCLA, not an impossible thing to do. It's not known for having the best home field environment. Neither of the LA schools are. Playing at Oregon, playing at Washington. Okay, granted, that's pretty tough. Those are both tough environments. Those are both very good teams. I've seen Washington State win in both of those stadiums before, more when the other programs were a little bit down on hard times rather than what they expect to be this year, which are conference contenders. But again, Washington State's got several preseason all-conference players, most notably Ron Stone Jr. on the defensive line. Cam Ward is a guy who can make it to the NFL is a guy who has got a lot of talent, was a very highly coveted transfer when he was coming out of Incarnate Word. That's a guy who is capable of putting up big-time numbers and making explosive plays. Now, sometimes, a year ago, we saw him make some foolish plays. But he was in year one of making the jump from FCS football to FBS Power 5 football. It's a different level. And I think there were moments last year that I'm sure Cam Ward has learned from in which... He made throws or tried to make plays that at the FCS level, he could get away with it because he's so physically gifted and he had to learn the hard way a year ago, throwing quite a few interceptions. Yeah, you can't make all those sorts of passes. You can't, you can't force it into every window. You can't make that back-footed throw. There were a number of instances like that. So if he becomes the best version of himself, if he reaches his potential, Washington State, I think, is a prime candidate to play spoiler. The Cougars were a good team in 2019 under Mike Leach. Not a great one, but a good one. They very nearly went into Autzen Stadium and beat Oregon. And Oregon ended up winning the Pac-12 that season. Washington is a good football team. I think they could be a very good football team. But in a rivalry game, anything could happen. 
Of course anything could happen in a rivalry game. And when you have a quarterback, I know Michael Penix is really talented. I think he's got greater potential or at least a higher floor perhaps at this point in time and is a better quarterback right now than Cam Ward. But is the gap the Grand Canyon if Cam Ward, if Cam Ward, if and only if, like that geometry term, IFF, if and only if Cam Ward is playing at his best, is the gap the Grand Canyon? I would say no. Washington pulled away at the end of the Apple Cup last year, but for a while there, Washington State was kind of going punch for punch with them because they can score because of their quarterback, and that's who they can run their offense through. So that's the big question for Washington State. Can you get the best, the most, out of Cam Ward at the quarterback position? Because if you do, I think this is a Washington State team that could go over their 6.5 win total. I think their ceiling, their uppermost ceiling, is a 9-3 and football team. Call me crazy. They were 7-5 and last year. If they're better at the quarterback position, I see no reason they couldn't do that. It'd be hard, but they could do it. Their schedule's got breaks. Remember, no USC, no Utah. If those things happen, they could at the very least play spoiler, and at their best, they could really surprise they could really, really surprise some teams this year. And I'm so excited. So, so excited to watch them play Wisconsin in week two. First power five non-conference opponent to go to Pullman since Illinois in nineteen ninety-eight. Exciting, exciting stuff happening under Jake Dickert up there in the Palouse. Okay. Mailbag time. I love mailbag time. YouTube comments, drop them in there or hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. Trying to get through these questions as quickly as I can. Still several of them in there and I'm trying to get through them as often as I can on the show. There's just so much darn stuff to talk about. So, Mike, long question here, but it's worth uh, explaining. Spencer, I have a question for you. Mike, I'll have an answer. We'll have to agree to disagree with the narrative that teams such as Oregon, Washington, or Utah, for example, by staying in the pack is an easier path to the playoff. Compared to the Big Ten, for example, if any of those pack teams were in it, would do better there than in the pack, and here's why. Both conferences do play a nine-game conference schedule and always play a good Power Five team in another conference. False. Michigan plays a bunch of cupcakes. But this is where it differs. As per last season's final rankings, the pack with its 12 teams had six of them in the top 20 or top 21, which has you playing more of those quality teams more often. The Big Ten has 14 teams and only three in the top 25, which made a softer schedule all around. I agree. Looking into the SEC, for example, they had six teams in the top 25, but they only play an eight-game conference schedule and mostly play a travesty of terrible teams and non-conference to play a cupcake at the end. Yeah, end-of-season cupcakes need to go away. Uh, at the end of the schedule to rest starters, if there was a choice, wouldn't being in the Big Ten with 16 to 18 teams, it's going to be 16 with USC and UCLA, uh, with 75% of their teams being well out of the top 25 being easier path, or even going to the Big 12, which would be the easiest path of them all to the CFP with the quality of the conference overall. Heck, Clemson has been doing that for years in the ACC, so that would also be an easier path. The pack is a, is just a gauntlet and damn near impossible to go through it unscathed, so I just don't see it being the easiest path unless you can persuade me otherwise. Thoughts? Okay, long question, but I felt it important to flush out all his thoughts there. So just to summarize real quick, he's saying that in the Big Ten you have a more top-heavy league, and in the SEC, you have a more top-heavy league. So isn't it actually easier to get into what will be a 12-team playoff 
rather than staying in the pack, which has much more depth, the answer to me is still no. So the first thing you have to consider, number one, when listing, you know, there were six teams in the pack that finished in the top 21. Two of them were USC and UCLA. They are now in the Big Ten. So add that to a conference that is extremely top-heavy. That is the first part. The second part of it is the easier access to the playoff and my position on that in the pack going forward for teams like Oregon and Washington and Utah and anyone else that wants to contend for it is that your path to winning a conference championship is easier in the pack, which will be a guaranteed spot in the 12-team playoff. Because the 12-team playoff is going to consist of the six highest-rated conference champions, which is, in all likelihood, barring a 2007-esque crazy, wild college football season, is going to be the five power conference champions and then the highest-rated G5. That's not what the rules actually stipulate. You could have you know, SEC, Big 12, Big 10, and ACC champion, and then the Mountain West and the American champion if they were high rated higher than the pack champion, for instance, that is technically possible, though unlikely. So, and the other thing too, is if you win the Pac-12 championship and you're not one of the six highest rated conference champs, hard to see how you are not then going to be one of these six at-large teams. So the reason that it's easier in the pack is that the pack going forward, and now frankly, has a lot of really good teams, but they don't have a lot of great or dominant teams. There is no, right now, on an individual season, we've seen some. Washington in 2016, they were really, really good. Oregon in 2014, they were really, really good. Those are the two teams that have gotten in the playoff. But since then, the Pac-12 has had a lot of good teams. They haven't had any great teams or dominant teams. Michigan and Ohio State are great dominant teams, year in and year out. Penn State is a really good team. I think Penn State's closer to the best teams in uh, in the pack, but even a year ago, Utah might have been a different game if they hadn't lost Cam Rising. Absolutely. But at the very least, Utah, the two-time defending champs, they were not able to overcome losing their quarterback when playing Penn State, the number three team in the Big Ten. So there's not some massive gap there between you know, the best teams at the in the pack, right? And Utah beat USC twice. There's not a big gap between the top teams in the pack and the number three team in the Big Ten. And the gap between the number three team in the Big Ten, Penn State, and the top two at this point in time is sizable. So the Pac-12 has a deeper is a deeper league than the Big Ten. Yes, completely agree. This year and in the coming years, but it gets, you know, iffy once you mix USC and UCLA over there into the other conference. But the problem with the idea of, well, isn't it, you know, easier to go over in the Big Ten? No, because winning a conference championship is harder and you're relying on an at-large. Now, is an at-large attainable in that conference? Yes, of course. It's attainable in every conference. But once you are striving for an at-large bid, which is essentially what you have in the four-team playoff, you are now at some level highly likely to be dependent on at one time or another somebody else winning so my argument centered around 
you have an easier path to the pack or to the playoff in the pack than in the Big Ten, and that's the pitch George Klyovkov should be making to Oregon and Washington, and something I would think those athletic departments are going to be cognizant of is rooted in the idea that it's easier to win the conference championship because it is. Look at how dominant Michigan and Ohio State have been. You know the last team not named Michigan, Ohio? I don't even know off the top of my head, actually. The last time, I'm going to look it up right now. A, a team not named Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State won, uh, won the Big Ten. So the past Big Ten champions. Uh, there was probably Wisconsin in there somewhere would be my guess. Uh, so Michigan, Michigan. Ohio State, Ohio State, Ohio State, Ohio State, Penn State 2016, Michigan State in 2015. That's the last time a non-top three school won the Big Ten. So when you look at where those programs are at and where they're looking like they're going to continue to go, it's hard to see how that's an easier path to a conference championship, especially when you put USC and UCLA into the fold. So I think you do have an easier path to a conference title in the pack, and that will serve as an auto bid to the playoff. That is the crux of my argument as to why it's easier to get into the 12-team playoff in the pack than in the Big Ten. But a great question, though, and one that is worth uh, exploring. Uh, Real quick here, uh, Steve sent me this uh, in my Twitter mentions the other day at LO underscore Pac-12, again over there, or at Smalls underscore 55, YouTube comments, always way to get in the mailbag. Question about the past. USC blocked expansion before. Yeah, they did in 2021. At that time, who were the front runners for that round of expansion? So the schools that I I have heard that they were looking at, uh, I remember definitively, because I was actually living in Oklahoma at the time, hearing about Oklahoma State uh, long, long ago, like way, way long ago, 2013 or so, when Larry Scott talked about a super conference, Texas and Oklahoma were kind of discussed. That didn't get anywhere. But in 2021, when they were looking at expansion, and USC's president, you know, was running just a Sports Illustrated article, you know, laying all that out. And USC says, we're not going to comment on hearsay. Like, okay, we know exactly what went down. And it just, like, it all tracks. So USC said, we don't need to expand. You don't need to do anything like that. The schools they were looking at, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, I believe, was in the mix. I, I'm not sure about TCU. I think that was kind of like an outside possibility. But Houston was actually the other one, uh, which, of course, has since been picked up by by the Big 12, and you would have loved to have added them in, in retrospect. That would have helped a number of things. But hindsight is, is always 2020. But those are the schools that they were that they were examining in terms of, okay, who, who could we add to the conference that would be beneficial? USC said no, yada, yada, yada. Here we are in late July 2023, and we don't have a Pac-12 media deal. How fun. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.